This podcast today is dedicated to Sue Clark. I love you, Grandma. Rest in peace. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. The Sacramento Kings don't play again until Sunday, so we're going to use this free time to talk about what's really important this upcoming offseason. On today's show, I'm going to be joined by Jay Mars from Sports 1140 KHDK. He and I are going to discuss the importance of this offseason, moves we would like to see made this offseason, and spend a lot of time talking about what the Kings should do with Marvin Bagley, not just this summer, but over the remainder of this season. It's all on today's episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into the Locked on Kings podcast, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game by game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December. This is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. Today's conversation with Jay Mars is going to dominate the podcast today. Plenty to respond to, so make sure you're listening along, thinking about what you would want the Kings to do with this offseason, what you would like to see the Kings do with Marvin Bagley the remainder of this season. I would love to hear from you, as would Jay Mars on the other side. But as for right now, enjoy our conversation. Pleasure to be joined once again here on the Locked On Kings podcast by my friend and co-worker at Sports 1140 KHDK. It is Jay Mars. You hear him as one of the hosts of the morning show, the Carmichael Dave Show with Jay Mars, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday mornings. Jay, nice enough to spend his time after the Friday show uh, to hop here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Jay, welcome back, my friend. And I want to start with this, and it might be a loaded question right out of the gate. I'm, I'm throwing fastballs at you. What is the point of Marvin Bagley playing with the Sacramento Kings for the remainder of the season. He's been cleared to resume basketball activities. Sam Amick reported that he's shooting to return next week, and I understand not wanting to waste a talent and just sit him on the bench, but it's clear Bagley wants to move on. It's clear the Kings want to move on. They're probably going to attack that issue this summer. Hopefully both sides will get a resolution. But for the time being, what is the point truly in playing a guy who didn't even stick around with the team? And we don't know if that was his decision or the team decision, but he didn't even stick around after being injured. The team had to pick him up in Phoenix. What's the point, Jay? Well, that's first of all, that's not a fastball. That's a curveball, my friend. But I am <laughs> going to try to swing and hit this one out of the park. Probably won't be successful. But you're, we, we, we've talked about it. We know. The Kings were looking to move on from Marvin Bagley. At some point this season, it, they decided, I think, This isn't working for whatever reason. And I'm sure there are a multitude of reasons. And I'm sure we will find those out, you know, as time always tells these things. But when I look at Bagley, it's still the idea that, all right, if you're going to trade him, you still have to showcase him to a degree. Now, I don't think if Marvin comes out, plays 10 games and is stellar, you're going to, you know, be teams are going to be knocking on your door looking to give you everything for him. But the idea is that you still need to show, hey, no, this guy is a talented NBA player. And I do believe Marvin Bagley is a talented NBA player. Now, my concern here is going back to the same lineup they went to, that same starting five they had, Holmes, Bagley, Barnes, Buddy, Fox. I don't think that lineup is ideal for Marvin. So what do you do? Do you start him at center? 
if Rashawn Holmes isn't ready to play? Or do you do what I think they should have been done all season? Bring him off the bench. Yeah. Let him play against, you know, ben- other bench players and give him a chance to just kind of run wild in that second unit to sort of, again, quote unquote, showcase him. So when you do go to another team in the offseason, you can be like, hey, look, this guy can play. If you have something to give us, we are definitely willing to deal him in return. I think the Kings just want something decent. I don't think the Kings are looking for two first rounders. I think if the Kings got a late first round pick, they would be thrilled. And there's a lot of teams that could look at Marvin Bagley that say, all right, we have pick 26, for instance, right? Do we want to select someone here or do we want to roll the dice on a guy we just saw that can play the game? And we know if we put him in our system, in our culture, hey, we can really get something out of him. So I think that is really the only reason to play him. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'll start with this. To me, there's no chance in hell Marvin Bagley should sniff the starting lineup at any point for the remainder of the season. Not so much that it wouldn't necessarily make sense, but what kind of message does that send the rest of the team? Right. Hey, you can be out. You can miss all this time. I know the team's struggling with the losing streaks while he was away, but they also went on their biggest winning streak of the mm-hmm. season while he was away. He wasn't even with the team. He was allowed to go home. Nobody else got that right. Hassan Whiteside only missed time with the team because he was in COVID protocol. Correct. Everybody else has been on the sidelines the entire time. No one's been enabled in that way. What kind of message does that send the team where this kid who really doesn't really want to be here. And look, I'm trying to be fair to Marvin because I don't blame him for wanting a fresh start. I really don't. And I think he'd be foolish to believe that all the problems that he's dealt with in his career are the King's fault and not his own fault or just a compilation of everything. But I understand him wanting a fresh start and wanting to try and get out and maybe get to a place with Mm -hmm. a little more stability. But at the same time, since day one, you're the guy who's been saying, I want to start. I need to start. You had issues, as did your camp, as did other players in the locker room with Dave Yeager not starting you right away. Hell, your assistant general manager at the time had issue with that. So Bagley's been kind of enabled since day one that he's stepped uh, into the Sacramento Kings facility. There's no chance in my mind that putting Marvin Bagley back into the starting lineup is a good move. If you're going to play him, bring him off the bench, Mm -hmm. give him 20 to 30 minutes, showcase him if you want. Like you said, I don't know how much that changes the opinions of general managers out there who might want to trade him, but if if he's going to play, that's the only way I'm okay with it. Right, and to your point, if you have already decided you're going to move on from him, or at least you're going to attempt to move on from him, because we also have to look at the realistic standpoint, he could also be here as well, because again, teams might just be willing to give you pennies for him, and you look at it from just a value standpoint as a talent, like, no, we cannot trade this type of talent for, I don't know, a late second round pick. Right. Again, I'm just throwing an example out there. But the enablement is the biggest problem with Marvin Bagley, and I mean, we can go over the last 15 seasons. Enablement has been a big problem with the Kings organization, period. Yes. And Bagley is just the latest, I don't like to use the word victim, but the latest guy that comes in with, you know, a sort of chip on his shoulder. I'm the number two pick. I should be starting. He has a family that is very vocal that, you know, Marvin should be starting. Marvin should do this. Marvin should do that. And I feel like one of the big issues is the franchise has enabled him instead of saying, no, we have a way we're going to do things. You're going to fall in line. Guess what? We're not going to trade you. You are going to earn your spot. And we are going to try to find the best fit for you in our lineup so that 
the team can be successful, not just Marvin Bagley statistically can be successful. And Jay, that's a really good point because we also have to look at the realization that the Kings might not be able to get anything of value for Marvin. And even though, and I'll ask you about this in a bit, even though his contract is worth $11 million and I'm sure McNair would like to get that money off the books mm-hmm. so he could give it to, I don't know, maybe Rashawn Holmes. Right. Uh, you don't just want to give away a former number two overall pick for nothing, especially when there's so many years left uh, in Bagley's career, we think, and there's still so much potential Mm -hmm. with Marvin. Whether it's as a starter, whether it's off the bench, we don't know. So if you could use the remainder of the season... Bring Bagley off the bench, see what that looks like, and that help you make a decision this offseason that maybe Bagley starting next season until he proves that he can stay healthy consistently and earns a starting spot. He's a very viable option off the bench. Now, I don't know how happy Marvin's going to be with that, but at this point in time, who cares? Especially if you're McNair, you didn't draft him, so you don't have to please him. And that's just it, right? Marvin isn't happy coming off the bench, or Marvin's camp isn't happy with this decision and that decision. Injuries aside, that's a big reason why he doesn't have a huge value is there's so much drama around Marvin Bagley. And I know people like to downplay, especially within the organization, the idea of like, oh, we don't pay any attention when Team Bagley tweets this or tweet that. Yes, they do. That stuff matters, especially with young guys. And when you're trying to establish a core and a culture, that stuff absolutely matters because it makes you seem like you're above the team. And when you look at Marvin, again, we can all everybody agrees that Marvin is super talented, right? We especially saw in his rookie year, Marvin can be a walking 2010 guy at any given time. But Marvin has not shown any consistency, whether it's from injury or just play on the court to show like you deserve any sort of special treatment from the organization. And that's the part that gets me. And I think that translates in the locker room. I think guys like De'Aaron Fox see that where, you know what, he's busting his ass, getting putting on these amazing performances night in and night out. And yet, Here's my teammate who's supposed to be part of my core who hasn't really proven anything at the NBA level yet, yet that's where the most noise is coming from. Yeah, and I don't want to speculate, but I've always had questions about Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox's relationship. Mm -hmm. For Bagley to be drafted to be the Robin to Fox's Batman when he was drafted is all about, look at this new pick-and-roll dynamic that the Kings have. I've never seen the strong relationship between De'Aaron and Bagley, both in the locker room and outside the locker room. Now, I don't know how... Well, hell, even on the court, it's not like those two guys, when they're playing together, are making magic out there. Right, exactly. So that I've always had questions about that, too. But let me ask you this, Jay. What is the least that you would accept for Marvin? How willing are you to get off of, or accept, I guess, bad uh, return, or maybe little to nothing in return, to get off of that $11 million contract that he owed, that he's owed because that sounds like the biggest hiccup here mm-hmm. is a lot of teams aren't going to want to pay that salary for the project. They don't mind taking on the project. I, I said this uh, on my podcast before. If Marvin was the 10th pick or a, uh, like 12th pick, I think people would have been jumping for this opportunity to take him to try and turn him into something because there would have been two branches to that. One, he's worth less money, so if it doesn't work, it's not that big of an investment, at least short term. Number two is... It's the Sacramento Kings. They they fail to develop talent. I can develop talent here. I know I can, so I'm going to bring him in. And I'm sure there are GMs that think that way. It's just seeing him owed $11 million next year and then going into contract negotiations sure. after that. What if they develop him and turn him into something halfway decent to where he can demand $13, 15000000 million a year? Then suddenly they're like, okay, we have to look at investing seriously in this guy mm-hmm. who's only been able to do this for, what, one season? Right, and if that. It wasn't even a full season when he was able to do it. So the, the idea of trading Marvin Bagley, I think there's a lot of different branches to that tree because 
it's not like he's untradeable, but it depends on what you're going after and what you're willing to attach to Marvin Bagley. I'll give you an example. Great point. I always felt that, you know what, if the Kings said screw it and wanted to go after uh, Nikola Vucevic at the deadline, Vucevic was shipped to Chicago for Wendell Carter Jr., who very similar trajectory to Marvin Bagley right now. Same year came out. He was a third-year guy that really struggled to develop in Chicago. Injury issues. Yep. The Bulls had to attach a pair of firsts for him, but they got an all-star in return. I'll ask you this. Do you think if the Kings went to the Magic at the deadline with the same offer except it was Bagley and two firsts for Vucevic, do you think the Magic do the deal? That is a very difficult question. I've never thought of it that way, but based off of your breakdown of Wendell Carter and the, the similarities with Marvin Bagley, with the exception of, and, and, and I'm not too versed in the drama of the Chicago Bulls, I don't remember Carter having some of the baggage that Bagley currently has or has dealt he, with. He really struggled there. And again, it's kind of the same thing with Bagley. A lot of injury issues and the Bulls just kind of, you know, I don't want to say moved on right away, but realized like, you know what? He's fallen too far behind for us to develop him on our timeline. You know, I'm going to say yes, because I think what the Orlando Magic were looking for in that deal is uh, two first rounders and a young player to boot. So the main, the main, package going back to Orlando is two Kings firsts and Bagley is the young player to boot. So I think they do say yes to that. Yeah. And I agree. I think they would as well. So there's that scenario McNair can go down and that is spotting a player that might be on a big contract on a bad team that they're looking to get off of and say, you know what? Like we need to push now to be relevant. Let's go this route. We'll attach a couple first to Marvin. Personally, I wouldn't do that. But again, that's a scenario that you have to keep an eye out on. The other way to look at it is like, okay, if we're just trading Marvin straight up, you're going to have to match salaries there. I don't think a team is just going to take his $11 million salary into, um, again, unless it's a team that is like so severely under the cap that has the room, but I just don't think that's around. Yeah. And so from a draft compensation standpoint, like a late first round pick, like I mean, I mean late, I mean like 25 to 30. And they might late, not even be able to get that. And that's it. But that's what I would accept for him or just a swap of another player who didn't work out somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Like a Wendell Carter Jr. And just, you know, let's swap straight across. This guy didn't work here. That guy didn't work there. Let's see if a fresh change for both of these guys in our environments will work. Regardless, all these moves are going down in the offseason. And and tell me if I'm overreacting here, Jay, because I've definitely done that before. Mm -hmm. But I look at this offseason and I say, look, I know Monty McNair hasn't been on the job for a year. I know that he is not responsible at all, nor is this current front office responsible at all for now 15 years of no Kings playoffs. But when Monty took the job, he also absorbed that history. And he has to be aware that not only has he and ownership talked about wanting to do, this was supposed to be a gap year and they were looking to contend as early as next year, but build sustainable winning. He has to know that a lot of his job is on the line this offseason with the moves that he makes. Because I guarantee you, if the Kings are in the same position, whether it's a new head coach, a different roster, but if they're here towards the end of the season and they're maybe scratching and clawing, potentially mathematically for mm-hmm. a play-in spot, but not in anywhere close to an actual playoff berth, I think there's going to be some serious repercussions, not just for McNair, but I'm I'm also wondering if ownership is starting to feel the heat as well. Am I putting too much into the first major full offseason no. for a new GM? No, you're not, and here's why. So when Monty took over the team, and we have to remember there was a truncated offseason this past offseason, so it's not like Monty had a whole lot of time to get in, dig his heels in on the roster, and make moves. The Kings you know? took their time, too. And they did take their time. 
And you saw that. That's why they ended up with guys on minimum contracts like Hassan Whiteside. You know, we see the botched Bogdan Bogdanovich trade, which is not the King's fault, by the way. And I don't think we should hang that over their heads. But now Monty has had a full season underneath his belt with this roster that he pretty much inherited from Vlade Divac because the only real big piece from the Vlade Divac Kings was Bogey going to Atlanta. And Monty did a good job landing Tyrese in the draft to kind of supplement that. Right. But now I've said this on the air. I've said this on social media and I cannot stress it enough. This core cannot return next year. I agree. Outside of Halliburton and Fox, there is one or two guys, Rashawn Holmes and maybe Harrison Barnes that I'm okay with seeing come back next year. Everything else has to change. Yeah. And so to your point, Yes, because this is going to be the first real offseason I think we see Monty McNair truly implement what he wants to implement. And if he comes back and we're going into training camp with this same roster, oh boy, yeah. that's a problem. Because I think we've seen it enough with this core, it's not going to win. I, I agree completely. And to me, a successful offseason begins with finding a way to move on from Marvin. It begins with finding a way to move on from Buddy Heald. It begins with exploring options for Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. although I would not, like you said, hate to see HB here. But I think it also, like this roster right now, as much as the, it has likable guys, Going and just looking at this roster, there are way too many spots being taken up by fringe talent. Yes. Guys like Kyle Guy, Chris Silva, even Chemezi Metu, who I've been impressed with, Robert Woodard, Jemias Ramsey, Justin James. Those are six roster spots. Mm-hmm. Granted, a couple of them are two ways, but those are six spots right there that are being taken up by guys that we don't know if they are NBA caliber yeah. players. Uh, and I... I mean, that just has to thin out. So that leads to the other part of the conversation that I wanted to have with you, which is I hate tanking. I do not want the Kings to intentionally lose. But I do believe that their goal to try and make the play-in at the trade deadline has failed. And instead of using these final handful of games to continue to try for that mathematical possibility but improbability, if that's a word, um, instead of doing that, I would rather the Kings use this time effectively and what I, what I mean by that or what I would like to see them do is when Fox is on the floor, Halliburton is with him at all times. And you only have to play mm-hmm. them 30 minutes a night together. It doesn't have to be 35 to 40 like they've been playing. Same thing with Harrison Barnes. Limit him down to 30. Buddy Heald, limit him down to 25 and take him out of the starting lineup for, for God's sakes. But continue to give minutes to Mo Harkless. Give some of these minutes to Woodard and Jamias Ramsey and Kyle Guy and keep giving minutes to Chemezi Metu. Get an idea of who you really want to bring back next year and get an idea of who we're not going to touch. Like, right. we just know these guys are, are not going to be back beyond this year. And maybe they already do. I don't know. If you win games during that time, great. If you lose games, also great. Right. So, like, to me, that's the most that's the move that makes the most sense. It's kind of tanking, but not outright. It's not tanking. And I, 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 and that's, I don't even think it's kind of tanking because when you get to a certain point in the season when you are out of it, to your, you have these guys. You you drafted Woodard in the second round. You drafted Ramsey in the second round. Justin James, Kyle Guys. These are all picks that either you made or the GM before you made, but you kept the guys on the roster, right? Yeah. yeah. So you have to see what you have. And are you going to realize within, you know, 10 games whether or not Robert Woodard's going to be a rotational player in the NBA? Probably not, but you can at least start a foundation there. And. I think at this point, because tanking is like what OKC is doing, right? Telling Al Horford, hey, man, sit out rest of the season. You can work out at the facility, but um, 
were good. That's not what the Kings are doing, to your point. It's still trying to develop a chemistry between guys like Halliburton and Fox. I agree with you. That, to me, going forward these last 13 or so games, I really want to see those two on the floor at all times together because you have already kind of planted your feet that this is your backcourt of the future. Let's get them as many minutes as possible. But I don't want to see Harrison Barnes sit out five games for, you know, load management. But to your point, eh, let's play him 20 minutes a game. Let's see what guys like Robert Woodard can do. Like, why at this point do we... I think Hassan Whiteside has been good for the Kings, but I don't need to see Hassan Whiteside anymore. Don't I know tell your what, co-host that. I know what Hassan Whiteside is, and it's not a future in Sacramento. Yep. So you know what? Damian Jones, Chemezi Betsu, you're up. Let's see. Yep. And it kind of goes back to the Marvin Bagley thing. Like, all right, dude, you're coming back. Cool. We're going to give you 30 to 40 minutes a game. Let's really see what you have. And I don't think that's tanking because the Kings – by proxy, even if they didn't do that, are still going to lose basketball games just because they lack talent on the roster. So it's not tanking. It's trying to get a better idea of what you got. The draft pick and the slot are probably not going to move too much regardless. So, yeah, let's actually have something to watch for other than meaningless wins at this point. And it's going to be a question, too, of what the Kings decide to do with Rashawn Holmes if and when he becomes available. Do they shut him down, which is kind of a tanking move, but also Mm -hmm. a protective move. Uh, And I know Rashawn's going to want to play, so we'll see how they handle that. Before we continue, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors. You've heard me call it the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Some of the flavors include lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake. My favorite is mint brownie. They also have banana bread, raspberry, coconut almond. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. And on top of being delicious, built bars are healthy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're also great for the keto diet. Let me give you an example. The uh, peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs, and also 100% delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Kind of three quick questions for you before we wrap up. The first is, with Rashawn Holmes, what is your overall um, confidence that the Kings will be able to re-sign him, that he will be a King next season? Well, right now, with the roster intact, the Kings are going to be operating as an over-the-cap team. And I think like the max they can offer him is something like 3-47 and 47 or 4-47. and 47. I, I don't have those numbers correct. I guess my worry is I think there are going to be teams out there that are going to offer Rashawn more money. Mm-hmm. And I could see Rashawn getting anywhere from four years and 60 to four years and 80, like somewhere in that range. And so you have to ask yourself if you're the Kings, like, okay, A, is Rashawn truly worth that money, truly tying that money up into him? And secondly, if it is, like, all right, you're going to have to make some decisions and some roster moves to free up money to re-sign Rashawn Holmes. And we kind of saw it last year with Bogey is when it came to matching that money or getting that money, the Kings were just kind of like, no. But I'm also in the camp that it is malpractice if you lose Rashawn Holmes in free agency for nothing. Right. It is malpractice to me because there was a lot of interest in him at the deadline. And I feel like you kind of have an idea already of what his market is. And if you know that's his market and the market ends up being what it is for Rashawn, and you say, nah, we're good, and you knew that at the trade deadline, and you decided to hold on for a a run in the pl- a run at the play-in, 
that's just really bad on the front office, and that's going to be a black eye on the front office, in my opinion. This is why the moves this offseason are so important for um, McNair's career, and, and I honestly said at the trade deadline itself, like the we weren't going to be able to, or we aren't able to judge and grade the trade deadline moves until this offseason right. goes through, because if the decision to bring on DeLon Wright and his money somehow impacts the Kings' ability to re-sign Rashawn Holmes, that's a terrible trade, in yeah, my opinion. I agree. So I, I agree with what you said there. In your mind, if you were to pick one, what is the top priority for the Kings this offseason. For me, it's a battle between re-signing Rashawn Holmes and trading Buddy Heald. To me, those are the two top priorities. Well, and I think they kind of go hand in hand, right? At this point, if you can get off Buddy's money and basically free some money up for Rashawn, to me, that's a win. It, it sucks because you're probably selling Buddy for, I wouldn't say pennies on the dollar, but you're, you know, maybe a maybe 70 cents on the dollar, right? Yeah. Sucks, but if it leads to them bringing back Rashawn, who I think is a key piece moving forward for this team, I think you consider Rashawn part of the core and you properly build around him, you hit your draft pick. I I think those two moves go hand in hand. I guess the biggest thing for me is when it comes to offseason priorities is a complete different makeup next year of this roster. And I'm not saying I don't exactly have certain players in mind, but this roster going into training camp next year needs to be tougher, both mentally and physically, right? Because yep. that's the biggest thing with me with this roster. They're so soft. Yeah, the on Kings both need front. to get a veteran vocal leader. They, yes. they just don't have that here. No, they don't have that here. They need that veteran vocal leader. I don't know where you go out and find that again. I don't have anyone targeted. But the biggest thing for me is I need to see Monty McNair start to remake this roster with guys that are just tougher mm-hmm. and we need guys that are going to go in there and challenge guys like De'Aaron and Tyrese veteran guys that command that respect that are going to help elevate those guys to the next level by challenging them every day in practice challenging them after games and at halftime when they're struggling because I don't think that guy exists right now when they're going into a locker room at the half and they're down 17 who's really going in there and getting into other guys like yo wake up let's go that's not on this team. They don't have that guy. I agree completely. Final one for you is Luke Walton, the Kings head coach next season. No. Luke Walton is gone. That's done. Mark it here. You heard it here first. I mean, you probably heard it everywhere else first, but <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, Luke Walton is gone next year. That's yeah. He will not be back. I'm, I'm leaning that way, too. The things that he still has going for him is we know that he's liked in the locker room. We don't know yeah. if he's lost the locker room yet. I wouldn't go that far. Also, we know the King's financial situation kind of works in his favor as well. The ownership does not want to have to pay another coach, but I tend to agree with you. I think these losing streaks and how this season is coming to a close, uh, the King's missing out on the play-in tournament. Unfortunately, I think someone has to take the fall for that. Mm-hmm. And I've talked a lot about how I don't like how the NBA head coach is really the fall guy, but I think this is going to be a accountability summer to where Luke will take that fall more likely than not. The Kings will bring in a new head coach, but also half of this roster should take that Mm -hmm. fall as well. Like you said, to, to where this group give any pick a coach in the NBA pick like a, I mean, I know people talk about, look what Tom Thibodeau did with the New York Knicks. Pick Thibodeau up and put him here in Sacramento. Yeah. Pick Popovich up and put him in Sacramento with this roster. I don't know how much better they can do. I don't think they do that much better. And it's always been, and I like to call it the internet narrative that like Luke Walton is the worst head coach in NBA history. I'm not sitting here to say that like Luke Walton is Greg Popovich, but when you look at this roster and you look at the makeup of the franchise, again, I'm not saying Luke is 100% in the clear. I mean, there are issues with Luke Walton. I just think 
when you look at the overall roster, the franchise, there are much bigger issues in Sacramento than Luke Walton. I agree. I agree. Well, we'll see how this offseason goes. I'll definitely have you back on, Jay, to talk about these offseason moves. It'll be fascinating once we get to around free agency time to see what the Kings are doing, especially around the trade. I expect the Kings to be very active around the trade, whether it's trying to move up, move their pick, Mm -hmm. move players and picks. Uh, And Monty, he's talked a lot about using the trade market and using free agency to go out and try and find a disgruntled uh, star or a star that's available. He might try and do it this summer because he knows how important this offseason is. So we'll have to see. And whatever happens, we'll definitely talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens with the lottery because I do want to remind Kings fans, you know, the Kings right now are slotted, I believe, seven. And you look at the last couple drafts with the new lottery percentages, teams that are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine have moved up in the lottery. So there that is a possibility. It's like a 32% chance that they move into top four, which is not bad. No, it's not bad at all. And they've had some recent lottery luck. So I wouldn't get too down on that. But if let's say they don't move up in the lottery, don't be shocked if McNair packages this pick. Mm-hmm. Do not be shocked by it at all, which is cool because it is going to give us a lot of stuff to talk about. You're going to be looking at Monty really getting his first Again, chance to really dig in on this roster, and I'm really curious to see what kind of tinkering he does. And just, you know, we come from a Vlade Divac's Pete D'Alessandro era where they didn't trade draft picks. Yeah. We might see something a little different this offseason when it comes to that. I think we both agree, too, the lottery is really going to decide what direction the Kings go in because unless they move up into the top five, we know that they're not getting any world beaters or franchise changers in the draft. And that is what the Kings are looking for, is they're looking for a franchise mm-hmm. changer to add to the Fox and Halliburton core. That's what makes me so excited about this offseason, is this is not an offseason to, hey, let's add a small bit right. to make the future look a little bit brighter. It's like, no, let's la- let's add a big bit to make the future now. Yeah, no, you're not going to see those, again, I like to call them the Vlade Divac signings, the Aaron Aflalos, that... That type of move I don't think is going to be the biggest move this offseason for the Kings. So stay tuned. I think you're going to see some real roster shaking. Monty McNair is also going to be in for the Sacramento free agency treatment where maybe he's not getting as many people who's willing to take his call like uh, he had in Houston. Oh, were things different with the Rockets and the Kings? Shocking. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. Jay Mars, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have Jay Mars on. If you want to respond to anything we talked about, please do so. You can find me on Twitter at MattGeorgeRadio. You can email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I really want to hear over this weekend what you think the Kings should do with Marvin Bagley. Do you agree with us that he shouldn't be in the starting lineup? Would you like to see him in the starting lineup? Tell me what is your perceived trade value for Bagley. What's the least that you would accept in return for Bagley this offseason? Or do you believe the Kings should even trade Marvin? Plus other offseason moves, your top priority. Priority for this offseason, we want to hear from you. Again, at Matt George Radio on Twitter, you can tweet me publicly or DM me privately there, or feel free to email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I appreciate you listening this week. Looking forward to having you join me for next week. We'll recap Sunday's game and a whole lot more. I can't wait to talk to you then. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.